for those in attendance and USC fans watching around the world, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. Live with the best father and son team on the internet. It's time for Homie and the Dude. What is up, everyone? This is Homie and the Dude, the father and son podcast and tabletop gaming. Don't look at me like that. Network. (laughs) (laughs) And we are here tonight with Maka the DM, a player and DM for the Twitch actual play stream. Check these out. What is up, Maka? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's, hey, uh, it's, yeah. it's our it's, pleasure, man. No, it's great. I was, I was really excited when you contacted me and said, hey, do you want to be on our podcast? And I, I, you know, I jumped at the chance. Hey, dude, we're, we're, we're super glad to have got the opportunity to talk to you and dive into kind of like what you're about because Obviously, you know, we've seen you from afar on Twitter and we, you know, we've uh, we've we've heard about the, the, the prolificness of your your actual play. And, you know, um, we were we're just really excited to get into what you do. So obviously, you know, the Mac of the DM, let's start with the DM and, and, and go with that. So uh, how did you get to become Mac of the DM? How, how, how did that kind of come around? Well, my uh, every time I've, I've worked somewhere. There's always yeah. been someone else with my my first name. There's always been like two people with the same first name. Yeah. So I just took on a nickname and I took on my dad's nickname, which was Maka. And yeah. um, and then with as far as D&D goes, that also started from work. There was kind of a, your typical nerdy guy that worked with us. And he kept saying, hey, you should come play D&D. You should come play D&D. And yeah, when I was younger, I was into like Warhammer. I was into other, I really, I really love lots of nerdy things, right? So I was thinking, is this for me? And I, I saw the rules and I saw this huge book and I was thinking, you know what, this is not going to be my bag, right? Because it's quite daunting when you don't know, like you see this huge book and um, what pop culture would have you think about D&D, right? Um, but then um, he showed me <laughs> he showed me Critical Role and uh, this is almost everyone nowadays is going to say that. Um, and I saw that how much fun it can be and how much improv was involved. And, uh, you know, I just... I think we went to, I was a player in two sessions and then the DM at the time said, oh, yeah, I don't want to DM anymore. Um, and, but then the group wanted to continue. So I kind of said, I'll do it. And everyone loved it. And so I've ne- never really learned the rules properly. I just really <laughs> like the improv side of things. And then go from there, really. Amazing. So let me, let me ask, because obviously the, the, the critical role thing is considered a, a modern trend. Uh, how long ago, would, when, when did you discover this? When did this work guy come to you? And when, when did you hit the table for the first time? Two years ago. Two years so, ago. I mean, wow, dude. In that time, and wow, dude. That's incredibly impressive, dude. <laughs> it, 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 the, the amount that you've uh, grown and been able to uh, progress as a DM as well with your, with your style and everything that you bring to the table. That's, that's freaking amazing. Go yeah. for it. What were you going to say, Michael? Well, I've, I was going to say, when I first started, I did my I did my first campaign. And I, like I said, I didn't know the rules very well at all. I still don't know them that well, but I I just winged it a lot. And I ended mm-hmm. up, it was very um, a very planned out game, right? So it was a planned out world and a very meticulously planned story. And I found that I was railroading quite a bit. And it yeah. came to a point where it was kind of dependent on how good my writing was and not how good the play was. And we ended up writing ourselves into a corner and just stopped doing it. Um, 
and that's when we we kind of reached out to, to other people some more experienced dms and that's where i met johnny from from check these out obviously he, he joined our group and then josh as well we, we met offline and they are very experienced dms they've been dming for a lot of years and i learned a lot from them and my dm style kind of adopted a lot of things that they were doing um and i think it was when when lockdown because our group was about 15 strong at one point of people just like rotating in and out and then mm. when lockdown hit uh, we all had to go online, right? And do like use Roll20 or other platforms that are available. And um, there was a bunch of people that couldn't couldn't stick to it. They didn't enjoy. They would rather do face-to-face. So the group yeah. kind of whittled down to just a, a core group we have now. You know, there's, there's Josh, Johnny, Lewis, Yaz and Andy. And um, we just said, hey, we should stream this because we're having so much fun doing it. And normally mm. when we say stuff, nothing happens. But everyone started to mobilize and people were learning how to do Twitch and people were buying all this equipment. Mm. Um, and then I realized, oh, they're looking to me to DM this. Um, <laughs> so, so I was kind of thinking, am I good enough to do, to do this? Yeah. We're having loads of fun offline, uh, but yeah. everyone's going to be comparing it to the groups they watch, right? Like your, yeah. your critical roles and your arcade and your, your people like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a very daunting experience but it's just gone from strength to strength and it's just surprising we're still surprised at how much it's still growing it's only we've only been doing it for six months how long now nearly eight months thanks for watching this episode we really appreciate you supporting homie and the dude please hit us with the holy trinity like our facebook page subscribe to the youtube channel and follow us on instagram just search at homie and the dude it all really helps mm -hmm. amazing and do you, do you know what? I know that you are I know that you're in your your second campaign now and I can imagine you know uh, when it comes to building worlds and working on campaigns that's that's a very unique thing um, you know we we are in the process of working on our homebrew world and and things like that talk us through like where you started with that your progression through like and, and talk us through what your process is how did you start where are you now in the process mm -hmm. and like give us some steps that you kind of take maybe some advice for younger dms out there or new dms who are looking to uh, looking to get in that headspace so we started this with the mantra of let's just stream and have fun and see what happens and very quickly we got a lot of attention from like dnd beyond and then our viewership started to increase and we were thinking hey we could actually turn this into an, a show rather than mm. just a bunch of people playing dnd we're going to now be put put on a show right um we are still playing dnd it's all still improv and stuff but we kind of structure it where you have a 90 minute sort of um, you know, episode or whatever there's a 10 minute break and then we come back for the next 90 minutes and mm. that works really well for our podcasting as well but um I, I watched a lot of twitch streams um i can come on to this later but i was asked to manage the stream team that we're part of which is rolling together um, by roll together rpg and that meant that i was watching streams so often whenever i was free basically and i was watching and, and everyone's doing so many varied and, and great things but there were some things I was drawn to and thinking, ah, that's really good. I really like that. And mm. it's like the, I always, um, I liken it to what Bruce Lee said. And that is anything in life, take what you find useful and leave what you don't. And so yeah. we've just adopted all these little bits and bobs that other groups were doing. And that's worked really well for us. And there's two ways to stream D&D. You play the game and just stream it or you put on a show. And, and that's the one we're doing at the moment um 
but to, to answer your question fully about how we plan this stuff, mm. um, I always start with <laughs> Microsoft Paint and I just draw an outline of a map and some and some like um, points of interest. And yeah. I'll send that to our artist, uh, Lewis. And, um, and then Lewis makes an amazing map on Incarnate. And, yeah. you know, I think Lewis is a, is a mentor for Incarnate. So obviously very experienced and very, that does this amazing work. And uh, he comes back with, with the finished map. And then I'll just basically pick a place and say, right, we're starting there. Pick your characters. I don't really have any limitations on race or class or anything like that. I just say, you know, go, go wild. As long as you've got a decent backstory. Um, and then I generally write the beginning. Uh, and uh, this is actually leading into the pro wrestling stuff, which we've talked about offline. Um, you know, when you're doing a wrestling match, you plan seven points. And mm. when I'm doing like starting a campaign or even every session, I plan seven things. And then I let the players run wild and I just write the story around what they want to do. Um, but we were, we were planning on doing a long campaign, right? So we're just going to do 100, 200 episodes like Critical Role. Um, mm. But then I realized after watching so many Twitch streams that the long campaigns, you know, the grand campaigns that go on and on and on and on, they tend to dwindle in viewership unless they are right at the top of the tree anyway. And mm. so we so we we realized this and thought, ah, okay, so we're going to have to switch things up. So that's why our Monday stream, because we still want to cater for viewers that enjoy that so our monday stream by johnny is now that long 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 campaign with many many episodes but but tuesday now has turned into four part mini series that we're doing and rotating dms and and that's why i've been yeah. been able to play a lot more yeah yeah and that's, that's really that's awesome really interesting I, I i i mean there's a lot you said in there and the one one thing that really <laughs> popped out at me is this this uh, this consideration of putting on a show mm -hmm. versus playing D&D. And you said, we've selected to put on a show. Yeah. So what are, what are the elements around, what are the differences between those? So when you're just streaming D&D, you're just playing D&D and streaming it, that is for, again, I don't want to say that there's no right or wrong way to do it, okay? So as long as the group is having fun, thumbs up. Mm. But if you want to hit, decent viewership and you want to put on a certain production value then th there is you have to think about what's entertaining to watch and not just what's entertaining to play so mm. playing dnd the players have loads of fun the dm has loads of fun but mm. that's not always fun to watch um and so we have switched that around a little bit and we try and make things a bit more cinematic and we kind of bend the, the rules of dnd a little bit especially combat which can be so just dice chucking you know what i mean mm. I, I swing my sword i roll this dice i do d6 damage or whatever so we we i generally take the stat block of a monster or whatever they're fighting and i'll lower its health but i'll increase the amount of damage it can do and that mm. way every combat feels like quite fast paced normally it doesn't go over three rounds um but it feels like it matters like if you take a good couple of swings you'd like you're going down right and mm. i i took the inspiration from that from what from lord of the rings actually watching the um the fight with boromir and aragorn fighting those urukai and mm. how short that scene actually is but how much intense action there is and that's how we play DD and we put on the show like that what a great reference and and do, do you know what? it's interesting i heard you say something on on another podcast um and you're talking about um you know there's there's two types of 
DMs. There's planners and there's pantsers. And, <laughs> and I, want, I wanted to ask you a question. Obviously, you've referenced that you, you're a pantser. You, you, plan, you kind of go by the window of your, your, your seat. How much of this world, you know, you talk about, you get a map and you go, cool, guys, this is where we're starting. Yeah. How much of this world do you know about when the play start? How much have you got like outside of like a small outside of the the tavern that you start <laughs> and, and the seven points exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So outside, what, outside I, of that how much of the world do you know about like what do you have planned outside of this first session those seven points when you go into that first stream when we go into our very first stream as in the first campaign we did mm. I had planned the basic area where they were going to be and. I have quite a knack for picking just random names for places, right? So if they, if I knew they wanted to go east, then I would pick a name. Normally it goes somewhere crude in my mind and I always end up with something that <laughs> sounds slightly risque. Um, but generally I don't plan that much of the world really. I, I have the beginning, I have the main reason for them doing their quest or whatever they're starting on their quest doing. And then I will again i'll take inspiration from the tv show lost which sounds really strange to say but every episode of that tv show was focused on one character and mm -hmm. it, the next episode would be a different character and the next episode a different character and that's how i've planned each session so i'll have you know one or two episodes that are solely based around some player's backstory and then i'll weave in someone else's backstory and work around that until everyone's had their chance and then I bring it back around and there's the main arc they started on and I'll bring it to a conclusion like that so I think I planned I planned the beginning I planned one major city and I planned the place that was gonna it was gonna end so I only had a few places really but um mm -hmm. the, the group were free to do whatever if they if they chose to randomly head in a totally different direction I would just have to plan that for them you know on, yeah. on the fly which yeah. i'm kind of good at i think <laughs> amazing and do you want to do like it's something so again you talked about like planners and pantsers i would say i definitely sit more in planning i sit like maybe like 70 to 60 percent in planning like 40 percent in like cool we'll just see what happens in the moment and i'll i'll, I'll wing it kind of thing but you know it, it's something i admire from people who are a little bit more like free and a little bit more loose with it because it's something that, you know, I, I personally feel like my security blanket is like, cool, I do know a little bit about this stuff. So I can find, you know, I can draw on something. So uh, I, I commend that massively, dude. I think that's an awesome way to play and it's really interesting. Um, you also mentioned how, you know, you're doing now these two different streams and how um, you're going back and forth between them. And now you're a player as well as a DM and you're on this rotation. How does that feel? Obviously, because, you know, there's there's a big difference between playing and being a DM. Now, mm -hmm. obviously, some of the skills that you are, if you're a player that then becomes a DM, you can bring some of the skills that you have as a player to your DM table. As a DM, the list of skills is a little bit bigger, but some of them don't apply to being a player at all. So what was that biggest difference for you? And, and what did you really enjoy being a bit about a player or miss about being a DM? So... In the Monday stream, which is our, our now our flagship show, that's the one that's going to continue for a long time. I'm a player and I get to play a character that Johnny at first is the DM for that game. And Johnny's an amazing DM and I love playing in Johnny's games because I know that he's very similar to me, that he'll plan around the players and allow allow for that sort of group improv. Yeah. And uh, and this is this is another thing. It's 
I suppose it matters what group you have on how much planning you need to do, because some groups prefer you just to keep laying track in front of their runaway train. Mm. And some like to only think about their own character and their own story. And neither way is right or wrong. It's just about which group you have, right? Um, but uh, as far as being a player in Johnny's game, I, I, A, I like the fact that I don't have to plan a bunch of stuff every week because I'm already <laughs> super busy with managing the, not only the stream team, but check these out as a group anyway. Um, so I, I, I do not miss the planning side of things. Yeah. Um, and I just, I enjoy playing one character and making their story develop and i suppose if if you had to ask me i would probably prefer playing actually than being a dm because it's, mm. it's i find it more fun to be a player mm-hmm. um but on our tuesday games i think i started off by dming a four-parter straight away uh, when we got to get some guests in from chasing tales uh, one of them is the, um, someone called rowan who's amazing and i love playing with them and so now we're having all these different four-parters that are in the same game world. It's all, it's all yeah. going to be in the same world and everything's canon. Everything that happens is canon. But um, mm. it's a good chance to show loads of different styles and loads of different just mini stories, really. We can be, have a chance to be a bit free with it. Um, mm. And with it only being four-part episodes, it's so much more accessible. Mm, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I so I just wanted to follow up on so the, the little things there that that um, struck me. One is the role of a uh, you called it a project manager mm-hmm. for check these out and for the streaming team. So the two different entities. Can you talk about a the so I know check these out has the two up the two different episodes, but what are the additional sort of responsibilities of the project manager for these? That's a good question. That's a good yeah, question. <laughs> so as i call myself the project manager because i kind of manage everything um mm. so i i make sure that the there's the group is so helpful and so everyone mucks in and everyone does their own part like josh in our group he, he deals with all of the podcast stuff and all of the mm. sound mixing and all of the editing and stuff um so i don't have to worry about that so much but I kind of manage the, all the social media and I manage when it's going to okay. go out and we plan all that kind of um, scheduling and stuff. Um, and then I'm, I also get the guest players in, I get the sponsorship, I get um, all the links with like D&D Beyond and with Idol Champions and with like, it, I suppose it's just, I'm the, the f- I'm, I'm the blanket that all of these little pieces are laid on. You know what I mean? Like, mm. cause I sort gotcha. of hold it hold it together everyone has their roles to play and it would it would not be as successful as it has been without everyone mucking in um but uh it's it's me that has to herd herd all the cats <laughs> dude and you know i i know for a fact we know for a fact that we we have spoken to other dungeon masters and other podcasters out there who have you know teams that are you know working with them that they're carrying a lot of the load that they're carrying a lot of that weight on their shoulders and they're not having the opportunity to have that help and and, uh, assistance from the other people that are being involved in some of those those activities so dude the fact you have a strong team behind you who want to like get stuck in get involved and and do that is is freaking awesome yeah um you mentioned there D and D Beyond, you know, and it's something that I think is important to talk about and whatnot. You know, the, the, there's someone that is really like influencing and helping the community in lots of mm-hmm. different ways. 
Um, I want to ask you, obviously, you mentioned going from being playing in person to now doing your stream, running it virtually. And uh, from from your layout, I can tell you're using World 20 and whatnot. Talk, yeah. talk us through one. How was that transition for you as a dungeon master, as a player going from playing in person to doing it virtually? And how do you guys try and maintain the level of, uh, I guess, chemistry and, and charisma that happens when you're at the table, when you're all vibing off each other, having those moments of going back and forth with people. How do you guys still capture that when you're on, when you're on a Zoom call? When we first started, I asked the people, what do you enjoy about this stream? Like which element of it is mm. keeping you coming back every week? And mm. the overwhelming feedback we got was that it was the group. It was the group dynamic and the fact that we, mm. we're just a bunch of friends. Um, and I, I think that's probably the reason why Critical Role is so successful. Obviously, they're all voice actors and they're all amazing what they do, but you feel like you're one of the group when you're watching them, right? And, yeah. and that's what we try to capture. And none of it's artificial. That is just us. And we speak every single day in our Facebook Messenger group, which I definitely can't tell you about what we talk about because it's just <laughs> the most wild stuff. Um, and we just, we're just friends. We've been playing together for at least at least a couple of years, most of us. I think Josh is the most recent member um but yeah and and the good thing about this is that we're, we're resonating with people that really want to work with check these out so you mentioned about the fact that we got a big team and we do and everyone no one really gets paid at the moment we're not making enough money to really give anyone a wage all we're really doing yeah. is pumping that money back into improving our setup and improving our cameras and mics and all sorts of bits and bobs um but everyone's doing it because they want to so you know all of our artwork is done by lewis and that includes all the videos and all the promotion artwork and just everything mm. is done by Lewis. Um, you know, all of the podcast stuff is done by Josh. All of the accounting is done by Johnny. Um, we have someone called Sam that's joined, that's just joined our team actually, and will be running a, a new stream for us on a Friday in a cosmic horror kind of setting. And wow. then we're going to be starting up a YouTube channel that's dedicated to a, bit, a little bit like Dungeon Dudes and things like that. Um, nice. So we, everyone just kind of says, hey, I really want to work with you and I want to continue, I want to help you. And I think part of what I do on social media as well is my, in my personal account um, is just give as much as I can back to the community. So you, mm. you see that I'm just trying to help people as much as I can and, and raise everyone up. And there's a, there's a small core group of us involved like TTRPG creators that are doing that. And it's yeah. just having such a positive effect on the community dude it's great the community is amazing isn't it amazing yeah i, I yeah. agree it's, well just to before we move on from dnd beyond you said they noticed you early on how did that yeah. come up how, like what was the story behind that so it was really strange i one of my friends that is in the ttrpg space said hey i know someone from dnd beyond you should connect with them and as i went to connect with them they sent me a message anyway and so it was about i think we we're about four episodes in and we'd hit affiliate because we we hit affiliate within like a couple of days or whatever because we just pumped as much content as we could out in the first week yeah. and yeah. and we were putting out putting out our show and we went from like 10 viewers up to 20 viewers up to 30 viewers and we we're thinking hey this is this is going really well and and then all of a sudden dnd beyond came to us and said hey we we, we really like what you're doing we would like to support mm. you here's some stuff to give away um and we were overwhelmed as you can imagine like oh my god they're coming to us they're coming to us and then it just rolled on like that so i've got a really good relationship with the community manager from being beyond called melly Doucette. Mm. and with my connection with melly i was able to 
help other groups get this dnd beyond support you know so i think like fourth culture and chasing tales and so many other groups that are part of the stream team that i also manage um yeah. have managed to benefit from that and dnd beyond as i know that wizards of the coast kind of get a bad rap sometimes because of the things that they're not doing as well as they could do um yeah. but as far as their community outreach and a big in big part of that is from the work melly's doing they help a lot of people and I can't, I can't thank them enough. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, I mean, I'll be honest with you. So we're like maybe a, a year, year to year to 10 months into our like D and D career, I guess, as you can put it. And, you know, we started in a, in a good place in of that we stumbled upon acquisitions incorporated and fell in love with their live shows and stuff. And, you know, began to learn. And obviously Perkins is, you know, a, a huge mm. member of the Wizards team and like yeah. a big part of the editor, editorial department and writing department and all of that. And so, you know, uh, I can't sit here and, and hate on the Wizards at all, dude. They're, the, you know, it, it's something where they've been able to bring D&D to the masses, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you look at the sales of Dungeons & Dragons across the entire length of its existence, you know, we've had the most sales of D&D I think I'm wrong. Stranger Things has definitely helped out, but you know we've had the most sales in these last couple years mm -hmm. um, because of the work that they're doing. Like you said, the outreach that they put out there. Now, uh, as as far as D and D Beyond goes, it's a phenomenal tool. Don't get me wrong. You know the 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 purchasing this and you know having to have that and whatnot is is always something that you know whenever it comes to making money um, is going to be an issue for some people and. The, the truth is, dude, their, their system is really great. Their character sheets are freaking mm -hmm. amazing. You know, I yep. know a lot of people use their new combat tracker. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that people really love about what they do there. And I think it's something that we definitely respect and understand is, you mm -hmm. know, a, a big part of the community. And again, dude, you know, something that you said is the community do have, and it, it, it was interesting to us. It was hilarious, uh, hilarious almost in of that with the moment we enter the community, those members of the community you become aware of very quickly. You're like, oh, okay, I see, you know, Abyssal Bruise yeah. and, you know, Mac of the DM. Yeah. And, you know, then you start seeing these people that are like supporting people, but also being like these powerful entities in of that they are, they're big support modules as well as like big people are creating and bringing a lot of stuff to the table. And you're right, dude. <laughs> we talked to someone else recently and the TTRPG community both on Twitter and, and, and in other places, but specifically on Twitter, is such a warm bubble of mm -hmm. the moment you step out of that. And we happen to be in the MMA community as well, which for some reason is one of the most toxic, disgusting places on the <laughs> yep. internet. Yeah, the pro wrestling community is just as bad. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. And so we're, you know, coming from where we started our podcast originally was a lot of this MMA stuff and other content. And coming to the D&D kind of TTRPG era and just being like, wow, this warm reception is real nice. Like we don't have people being like casual, rah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and you're just like, it's just, it, it's, it's a very warm environment. And I think it's something that anyone who is wondering whether they should do it or join it or, you know, even like, you know, and there's, there's people like, uh, you know, a uh, penguin out there who, who, who isn't contributing loads of content. He's here to support people and he's here, yeah. you know, uh, uh, just commenting on stuff, giving the support. You don't have to be a creator to come and join. You can come and talk to people, come and enjoy what we do. And it, it's a really beautiful community to be a part of. And I, yep. I'm glad you brought that up because it's something that, you know, is one of the best parts of 
playing Dungeons and Dragons, is being part of this phenomenal community that supports, wants to like help creators, advise players, uh, help DMs get better. And every single person that we've spoken to has been like, yeah, I got, I got some time for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And like you mentioned a couple of people and in, in the first episode of, of my talk show, I had mm. that group, that core group that we're yeah. all a big force trying to bring as many people up with us as we can, you know, Maps and Quest, Abyssal Brews, uh, Emil from Mars, uh, Double DM Pod. There's just so mm. many of us now. And, every, and the thing is, people are seeing this snowball of, hey, let's all get on this train and everyone just lift each other up that it's just growing and growing and growing um you know we don't we don't necessarily benefit from it personally but that's not the idea the idea is to help everyone around us you know yeah no it's it's awesome man and it's uh you know for i think the thing about it that's really interesting is someone that may not feel like they have a presence or they they're you know they're thinking man like where how do i start and where do i you know what it seems almost insurmountable that whole yeah. question and once you get into it you kind of get swept up into this little kind of you know stream of support and everything it's really cool yeah for sure i, I wanted to circle back to uh this notion of 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 performing and you mentioned one of the things was almost like pace right yeah running a show is in, in accelerating combat so if you were to if you were to sort of distill down into the the golden rules if you would mm. of of a streaming show uh, versus a you know friends and family game that yeah. we play either remotely or in person. What were besides really kind of making sure and even to the modification of some rules, yeah. getting the pace moving a little bit faster. What are some other things that are important to your group? Okay, so something that we learn is just by testing it and see what happens. And riddles that are amazing to play offline don't translate well to stream because they can be very slow to figure out mm. uh, if you figure them out immediately great everyone moves on and has a great time but if there's if, if all the players start scratching their heads and don't know how to get past it that is the most boring thing to watch it's a bunch okay. of confused people um so riddles is one i suppose um yeah co combat in, in general in dnd is is Unless, unless you can find a way to make it exciting and break it up from the monotonous kind of this turn, that turn, this turn, that turn, I always definitely advise speeding combat up. I, I just can't. And the thing is, at higher levels as well, combat mm. can take hours to get through. Um, yeah. You know, we've had whole sessions before offline that were just one combat with a dragon, for example. Mm. Um, so we just try and bring, and it sounds crazy to say, we try and bring a little bit of realism into it. Like, if a, if a giant dragon slashes you with its claws and, you know, it hits you, it goes through your armor and cuts your skin, you're not just going to go, meh, I'm a, bar I'm a barbarian. That only does like 10% of my health. You're mm. going to be very hurt by that, right? So we yeah. just, we want to kind of put that, put that out there and that's how we, that's how we do it. And also we want to benefit role play, right? Exciting role play. So if, if somebody explains how they do a thing or how they make an attack or any sort of action and they do that in a really exciting way i'll give them some sort of bonus to that or i'll have something cool happen extra and it doesn't mm. really break the game it doesn't really change much um it's just a nice way to to keep everything exciting and mm. i suppose what you mentioned there about pace that is something that you definitely need to just 
you just need to be good at it. I don't know how, there's no advice I can give to anyone on how to pace it properly other than be, be ready, be, keep your eye on the time. Because mm. when that sort of gets to half 10, which is our, our first break, and we, I sort of think, right, okay, they're getting to a point now where I have to try and think of something that's exciting to stop on. And then <laughs> we'll keep people waiting over the break to come back. Um, and I think Andy, who's doing our goblin four part we're doing right now, um, is a very new DM. Andy's only DM'd a, couple, a few times before. And so it was always a risk for Andy to be on our stream and be doing a DM, being the DM on our stream, should I say, because, because of that fact, they're not that experienced. But Andy's an amazing player. And so he, he's managed to go grasp that. And he has yeah. a lot of us go, hey, we're nearly at half 10 now. And so he's really good at doing that. Um, mm. So that's definitely important about the pacing, just keeping your eye on the time. Nice. You know, yeah, I think, I think, honestly, it's something that we really appreciate. And, you know, something that um, we, we, were, we were actually watching Critical Role earlier today, me and Tom, because uh, mm. Tom, Tom doesn't keep up as much with some of the streams and stuff about as, as I do. And we we're watching Exandria Unlimited, you know, and we we're watching Abria Iyengar, you know, do her thing. And Tom was just like, wow, her pacing is freaking amazing. Like yeah. the way that she just conducts it. She holds a moment, but then has other moments that are quite fat. And like, it's some, it's something that's really, really interesting and beautiful. What were you going to say? You no, know, no, I agree. I think, and I think there's a difference between moving things along, which there's yeah. a moment for that. Yeah. And we saw probably about a 15 minute, uh, just a, like a clip, a scene basically. And it was very, very uh, low keyed and, you know, singular sort of soliloquy type things. But it was very engaging, you know, yep. and I think there's a there's an element of it that that the, the players mm. are pretty accomplished in knowing yeah. how to keep a space, knowing how to deliver, knowing how to, you know, to perform. Yeah. And and it was it was captivating. So I think there's a real balance between, OK, let's just move along. Let's get, let's move on. You know, there needs to be that. I totally agree. And I think you're, you're absolutely onto something, especially with combat. Yeah. Uh, it can was, get draggy. Yeah, I was going to ask you a question about Second, yeah and but i also think there's there's an element of man if there's a moment that needs to breathe let's lean into that as well and just let that just soak in a little bit as well yeah. so that balance is is a tricky one but when when they, when you get it right that's that's when you have people glued to the full arc of a story right well that's, that's I, magic. before the combat question comes in i, I want to touch on that because i did exactly this when i when we when i did my first four part after the first campaign on tuesday I had an opportunity to go, right, let me pick some amazing role players and let me see just how far we can push that exact thing, the, mm. the, the, the performers instead of yeah. players, right? And so we got Rowan from Chasing Towers, who I'm, I'm a huge fan of, and I think Rowan should be in everything, and, uh, and Andrew, who's the DM for Chasing Tales. And then I had Johnny from our game, who I know is an amazing improv. Um, Lewis from our game was playing a character that he is just... It basically is Lewis, but in the game, so very natural for them. And uh, it was just, it was such a good experience. I, mm. I don't want to be sitting here and going, it was amazing, like viewing, everyone should watch it. Yeah. But we got so much good feedback about that, the best we've ever had. And it was such a story-heavy campaign. Um, yeah. I just, like, like what you said, Tom, there, the, the ability to lean on, and I wrote the story about around Rowan pretty much because I knew how strong of a role player they were. 
Um, and the, the ability to do that and to lean on one person and it just works so well was so mm. fulfilling. Yeah. And it's something, dude, like the, there's a huge difference between telling stories, recounting stories and being a phenomenal storyteller. Yeah. There's a huge difference between the two. One is a performer and one is someone who is reading to you, but off of memory. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And mm -hmm. it's, it, it, there's a huge difference in that. And I think, you know, there's some DMs out there that really capture that essence of, you know, beautiful storytelling uh, and some, some that kind of miss that beat. And it comes more as this, like, you know, uh, come feels a, a tiny bit more abrasive, I think would maybe be the way to, to say it. it feels like it's a rougher, it hits you with a little bit more force than like smooth kind of uh, uh, transition into it. And, you know, you're, you're, you're both entirely right. It, and it's something that we talked about in one of our D&D Dire episodes is that struggle between wanting to, as a DM as well, understanding that the world is, you are the world and the players are the story in of, in of the self um, and making sure that you're not railroading them by trying yeah. to, be overbearing with story do you know what i mean mm -hmm. but then having that ability to have those beautiful moments where the story does develop it does come through you learn something about that character they grow they change you know whatever and you're right in of that that balance is possibly one of the when it's right the most beautiful things but also one of the hardest things to both learn and perfect as both players and as a dm and yeah. when it's wrong and when it's wrong it's bad yeah if you're going, yeah. If you're going too slow <laughs> yeah. Right, or if you're rushing through a really what could, like have you ever been like in a moment watching D and D or watching a movie and you're like no don't don't cut away yet like this this is a moment like you you just missed something here there was some magic that was just about ready to be bottled we want that we need that yeah and um, so it's really important to be able to be like okay let's let's just kind of let this thing grow let's let it percolate let's let it cultivate let's let it peak. You know and it does need performers but it also needs a DM that's aware of that space and how to how to maximize both of those things so yeah, yeah it's, it's really really interesting yeah, get the get the best get the best out of your players as well as you know provide the best of yourself in those moments as well yeah um in, in terms of combat dude i wanted to ask you because you you mentioned you know you try and keep combat short you want to you know make it these more epic battles that are like more like compact we recently talked to a, a, another creator within within our community uh who runs mpc encyclopedia and, and we were talking to uh tony about what he's kind of working on and you know his thought process on combat and he was talking to us you know he really likes to make puzzles for his players while they're doing combat so he really enjoys being like you know okay so uh the power source is coming from the dude's guitar so you yeah. need to get the guitar away from him and i'm gonna let you players work that out by falling victim to some of the things that he does uh by doing that i i personally found that very intriguing i'm wanting to mm -hmm. ask you obviously with shorter combat do you find like that whole, like in some cases, that problem solving combat of like, oh, the room's filling up with water. It's not about killing the guy. It's about getting to the switch behind the guy. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Do you find yeah. that's harder to do with short combat or do you find it something that actually works kind of well with the shorter combat? Well, I should probably clarify that actually by saying that when I do shorter combat, it's because yeah. it's, it's, this is combat that isn't ever going to really kill the players anyway, right? So, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of DMs hate random encounters and they hate the random encounter table or so on. But sometimes you need combat in a session, right? You just, right. There's, a, there's a point where the players will do something and piss off some guards or 
they're pursuing they're pursuing and they want to fight something and it's mm. okay for them to do that so you put some enemies against them but if you had every single combat as this super long and difficult combat it lessens the um gravitas when they finally meet the big baddie they're supposed to be defeating right so mm, yeah so in order to when you're writing the story and, and this is again going back to my wrestling training you build it slowly right so you have this very slow build up and you have the players feel super powerful by smashing to shit these these random enemies right and that's why that's where fast combat comes in now i don't always do fast combat i just and here's the thing as well and if unless you're going to give your players a super difficult combat it's very very difficult for them to fail in combat it's inevitable that they're going to win right um and so but when we have our big boss combats like at the end of the iron horse uh, campaign that i did or the finale of the first campaign i had exactly what you've just mentioned i had some additional thing that they had to achieve and it, the combat was quite long i think the combat for um the iron horse ended up being an, an hour and a half long and the mm. finale of the first season was about an hour and a half as well that combat was a whole half of our episode um yeah. but it's because they had additional things to do and it's stuff that I had alluded to during the campaign. So with, yeah. with Iron Horse, for example, each person had something taken from them, uh, an, mm-hmm. an item or something that they'd given away willingly to the big bad, who turned out to be the big bad in the end. And yeah. they realized they weren't doing any actual damage to it. You know, their attacks were hitting and they were making contact, but it wasn't affecting the creature. And then they realized mm-hmm. they had to get their own personal items back in order to then do damage once they were whole or whatever. And like what you mentioned, like what uh, NPC Encyclopedia does, that there is a time to do that, absolutely. Mm. But it has to be, it has to be worth it, right? It has, there has to be a point. Yeah, I I, I fully agree with you. I think that's a really, a a strong point. And I think, uh, I I like your point of like, you know, (laughs) it's something I, I, I have kind of considered, but not really is that like combat is kind of always stilted in the players like it's why the cr rating system exists in the first place so that you can mediate what you give your players you know and you're not giving them something ridiculous that's it's 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 quite uh i've never thought of it in in, in of the way that it is always to it because i've always gone well there's the threat of death so you know it's not always you know do you know what i mean but you're you're, you're totally right what were you gonna say sorry no i, I was the, there's two things really one that that's one thing that you said so you said a lot of these the players are not going to, uh, it's not a, so let's say a fatal situation. Yeah. Um, and so when they go into that situation, is it, is it, is it, is it sort of presented as potentially a fatal situation or is it in your mind, like you have an idea of what's going to happen here? How is, how was that presented to both the players and to the audience? I will describe a threat with a description that I feel like it requires. So if if they're going to put themselves into a situation that is going to be fatal because they're just prodding a dragon or whatever, I will describe that in a way that they will know this is a bad idea. But yeah. they're still free to make that choice. If they want to go ahead and try, then go ahead and try. Okay. Um, I, w- I won't ever fudge things. All of our roles are done on roll 20, actually. So, so there's no fudging of, of roles by me. They It just is what it is. It's just what I present them will be there'll be a level of threat so let's just say they're in a, they're in a, a city or whatever and this has happened before and there's a small group of guards and they've 
done something that got the guards' attention and a fight was breaking out. Like, the guards are not going to kill them unless they roll absolutely amazingly and the team do something really stupid. Um, yeah. And so they, it was inevitable. They knew they were going to defeat them. But in order to not make that boring that's why we have our cinematic combat and the way we describe it and it feels like it's exciting and the threat um is kind of hinted at like there's i I make i describe it in a way that makes them feel like they're in in threat but really they know that you know they're not going to be just because of what they fight they fought but likewise they can also go into a situation where i think this is going to be a breeze and they'll do something really really stupid and end up way, way worse off. Um, yeah. Generally, random encounters, or shall we put it, non, non-story important combat, will really only be threatening to one player. And yeah. if you focus on one player and or one character and keep whittling them down and making that the threat now, they go, oh, crap, none of us are in danger, but we could seriously lose this character. Um, mm. Then every combat can, can be important. Fatal, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the other thing is, I think so. What I, I'm, I think I'm hearing is you're using a fair amount of, let's say, artistic license as well, yeah. which, which is, you know, massaging the rules, let's say, a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how, how, and I get it, and I think it's important to be able to do that. But it's also, you know, to some degree, risky and can put you in a situation where you're, you are in the community, you're in the D and D community, and to, you know, to a, a great extent, there's a lot of you know what uh, the the word that came to mind are rule Nazis out there, uh-huh. <laughs> rule lawyers, yeah, lawyers. Rule, rule lawyers, yeah, yeah, rule lawyers, and uh, and so um, how are you navigating that? You know that <laughs> terrain of look, we you know we we know what we want to do, and we want to present something that you want to see, um, but in order to do that, we're going to have to you know we're going to have to massage it a little bit. Um, what, what kind of what kind of feedback are you getting on that? Well, uh, honestly, we've had a lot of how do I put it, uh, resistance from the D&D yeah. community. There's a lot of people that are rules lawyers and are loyalists to the rules and they don't like the way we do things, but that's mm. fine because we're not, we're not putting on a show that caters to other DMs, for example. We're, we're putting on a show that is for viewers, right? There's just people that want to watch. And if the content that we're putting out is not for you, that's fine because yeah. there's always... There's 50 million streamers doing D&D. There's always going to be one that's good for you. Um, but we, we've just found that this is the right way for us to do it. We're all having a great time. And it seems to be working well with the people that watch. Um, but yeah, we've had, we've had comments in the past from groups. I'm not going to mention the names, obviously. But people have said, like, the way you're doing it is never going to be successful. And, you know, mm. you, you guys are really going to struggle doing it this way. Really? I mean part of check D's out the D's of check mm. these out kind of in a way is these nuts like we don't care Let's, yeah, yeah exactly yeah we're putting a great show. We, we feel like we're putting a great show on we really enjoy it and if you like it great if you don't like it also great you don't have to do you know what dude it's it's a, and excuse my french it's that not giving a fuck attitude it's that attitude of like look and, and it's something we deal with when we do our UFC streams. We, we get a lot of it on our UFC streams, and it's, it's often like, a cool, if you're not enjoying this, guess where you can go? Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. not here. Um, and and do, you know what, do, do you know what else comes with an air of not giving a fuck and doing your own thing and being like that? Pro wrestling, dude. Yeah. What a, se- what a segue. <laughs> yeah. um, um, talk, talk to us a little bit about pro wrestling, dude, because obviously we're, we – 
we come at martial arts from the MMA community. We yep. come at it from like this and that. Talk to us, first of all, maybe about how you got into it. Um, what kind of was your like career path and like uh, and, and how it all went for you? Give us the, 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 the Mac of the DM kind of journey through pro wrestling. So I started off in MMA, actually, and I was doing Amazing. I was doing Laogar kickboxing when I was young. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. I mean, my dad used to go to like competitions and stuff. And then then I can't even remember how it happened. But I think one Christmas, somebody bought me a VHS of uh, WWF at the time, which it was. Mm. And, and I watched it and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And um, I just I just fell in love with it. I, I, I think when I was a child, I thought it was real. And mm. I thought that it was all, all this stuff is actually happening. Like the Undertaker was actually dead and stuff. Like yeah, every, <laughs> every child goes through that, I think. Yeah. Um, and then I started to realize, oh, it's a show. And then I just fell in love with it even more. Um, and I remember I was, I was at school and I, I, always used, I always did okay academically, but I never really cared about school because of my mm. goal was always, I want to be a pro wrestler. That's all I want to do. And mm. when, the, when I was at one of these careers advisors thing and they said, hey, what do you want to do when you're older? And I told them I want to be a pro wrestler. And they just said, no, let's think of something serious. Um, and so I left school and I just, just went to my parents and said, I really, really want to do this. Can you get me there? And um, my dad was such an amazing supporter. He, he took me to about, about a two hour drive every week to a school in uh, Milton Keynes, which is about two hours away from where I live. And, uh, and I just walked in this scrawny, skinny, like 16 year old kid. And they beat the crap out of me for a while. Um, and they really did. And it does hurt a lot. Um, mm. but, I, but I loved it. And I think after two months, I was wrestling in front of my hometown audience, which was amazing. Wow. And they, I, I don't know why, but they kind of, they actually did their first show in my hometown because of me. Um, mm. And it just kind of went from there. And again, just like D&D, it just picked up massively. And before long, I was, I was speaking to Alex Shane, who's kind of the Pied Piper of British wrestling, really. And um, I got involved with one of their shows when I was, I think I was like 18 or something. I was really, really young. Um, and mm. that's where I met like CM Punk and Mick Foley and all these other people yeah. backstage at the time. And it just went from there. It just, and I, I met so many amazing people. Um, I wish I could have kept, do, kept doing it, but I had a back injury after about four years of doing it. And mm. I couldn't walk for about two weeks. So I just could not get out of bed for like two weeks. And it, and it scared me a little bit, but also it just caused lasting damage. Um, so then I started training people to do MMA <laughs> instead. Amazing. So, Dude, wow, that's that's freaking awesome. Um, so let's 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 talk about the right. Okay, I have so many questions. Um, incredible. Um, so first of all, let's go with what was your like pseudonym, like yeah. character? What 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 did you portray? What was your like? What kind of attitude did you have? What was your like name? What was your like? Give, give us the lowdown of 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 who who you played in 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 the wrestling world. So when I had a character and everything, and I was I was really into the whole showmanship and the make building yeah. this character. But then um, I got my I had my injury quite relatively early on in my career uh, as yeah. being a wrestler, and so I didn't I knew that I was never going to get to the big time. So mm-hmm. all I wanted to do, and this is a, this is a story of my life basically, I just wanted to help all the up and coming people. And so my role was the, what they call the curtain jerker, which is the first match. And I would <laughs> I would work with the younger guys and basically just put them over and make them look really great. Um, yeah. And uh, but my name was the Living Proof. 
Nice. <laughs> nice, dude. Um, I used it. to wear like fake fur trousers and I'd come out with a bit of swagger and all this stuff. And um, because I'm, I'm half Romany, so I used to play on that stereotype, which is looking back, I know is so bad. But at the time, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I'll use that to make some money. Um, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd be like, hey, ref, look over there. And the referee would turn around and I'd steal his wallet out of his back pocket and stuff. <laughs> and the crowd would find that really funny. Um, amazing but yeah that's that's what my name was and that's why you'll never it's so difficult to find any actual evidence that i did this because a it's all on vhs which no one uses anymore and uh, and b a lot of it was from from i was the i was the first person out i was off in the dark matches or whatever so i've got you know i've got so much so many connections in the industry but there's so little actual evidence of me wrestling <laughs> amazing that is so funny. Now, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about, um, you know, kind of campaign setting and all of that, there's seven points yeah. that you prepare for. And you also related that mm. link that to wrestling. Yeah. What are the seven points? What is, is that seven specific moves or the, or the, the arc of the fight? Or yes, the arc. That actually... it's the, it's the storyline. So... so can you give us an example of that? Like it's I know there's like, you know, there's the, the false taps and then there's the, you know, the comeback and the recover and there might be another false tap and then there's the final you know, the, the climactic thing or like a switch and then their quick tap or that type of thing. But how, yeah, how does it actually play out? So um, because I'm not involved in the industry anymore, I can tell you all this stuff, but I would be awesome. I would be killed if I said this stuff and I was still wrestling. Oh, um, great. We're getting the juicy. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of, it's all, pre, it's all predetermined, right? So yeah. in a way, it's very, very similar to, to D&D, especially performing D&D on Twitch. You, you yeah. generally know the outcome before you go out and wrestle sometimes you don't sometimes you find out literally as you're going out from the curtain and sometimes you find out during the match when the referee will go hey you're going to win this one um but you kind of plan with your partner seven seven points right so you do the entrance that's the first point and yeah. again with dnd that's the intro right so that's the first part um, yeah. and then you do the 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 lockup right? So this is the first engagement. So you engage with the opponent and you do some chain wrestling and you kind of just feel each other out. And that is the beginning of the, that's the, that's the, what first thing you present your crew to be doing the first um, task they're going to be doing or first threat or whatever. Um, mm. And then you get to, I'm going to forget the points now. So the intro, the, the lockup, and then there's the face fire. Now, a face is a good guy and a heel is a bad guy, right? So yeah. you, you, you give the good guys a chance to look amazing, right? Yeah. So that's what we do with the players. They smash some little enemies. They, they triumph in some, in some minor way. And then there's the heel cutoff, right? That's point four. And that's when the heels or the baddies just go, nope, and they yank the carpet out from underneath you. Um, and then there's the heel beatdown, and that's point five. <laughs> And that's when the baddies beat beat down on the goodies and make things feel really oppressive. And oh my god, it's not going to happen. Um, and then there's point six, which is more face fire, which is the comeback, right? Mm -hmm. So the way they overcome this threat and the way that the goodies again get to look amazing. And then there's point seven, which is the finale, and that can be either way. So when I'm watching wrestling, I know exactly who's going to win because of the fact that I know what they're going, what motions they're going through, especially American wrestling, which is ridiculously regimented and, and just readable. Um, mm. But that's, and that's the seven points. And that's generally what I do for D&D. Nice. I was just going to say that it reminds me of, it's, it's kind of a similar story arc to a, to a novel, you know, or to a yep. Greek 
to a Greek myth, that story of, you know, of Troy or something like that, or the 300. And also it, it has elements of the hero's journey of how, you know, there's, there's the initial quest and then there's some crisis and then there's yep. redemption. And then in the end, I guess we don't know exactly how it's going to be, but we actually we do most of the time. The, 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 the hero will somehow come, come out of it in some way, either through a huge loss and, and a real reflection on, you know, the, the, the rest of their lives or some victory that was, you know, kind of saved from the jaws of defeat, that type of yeah. thing. So it, it has those elements, but it's shrunk into like a, a, ten, a little 10 minute skirmish. Yep. And I generally start every session with seven sentences that will prompt me from those points. And that's my planning. <laughs> Sometimes I'll, put, I'll, I'll have more, you know, I'll have speeches um, so that I don't keep going, um, 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 which I do when I'm like ad living like this. But most of the time, if I'm performing, I'll have some more prompts or whatever. But as far as the session planning goes, just seven sentences. Amazing. And obviously, dude, did, did we, you got to ask, did you have a finishing move? What, did, you, did you have a, 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 a like a Batista bomb, a 619? <laughs> like, did you have your version of that? So when you, when you have a finishing move, the first thing that any decent teacher will tell you is you need to be able to put this on at any moment and against any opponent otherwise it's not a good finishing move for you right um so i was a huge fan of Shawn michaels and his mm -hmm. finishing move was the sweet chair music which is like a super kick you know like a back roundhouse kind of kick yeah and um i just did that because i could do that on anyone from any position and it was kind of obvious because i was a good guy quite a lot that that's what i would yeah. do um but i really used to like some of the more um i've forgotten the word is now um, I, forgot, I forgot what the word is now, but from high, high flying, that's what I used to do a lot of high yeah. flying stuff. So I used to really enjoy doing moonsaults and backflips and stuff like that. I can't do them anymore, but, but yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, let's talk about that injury, dude. So, so how did, I mean, if you don't mind, how did that go mm -hmm. down? What did like, what did it feel like? What move was being put on you or were you putting on someone like when you popped it? What, what went down, dude? Break that down, break that down for us. So I was okay. Right. The wrestling industry is way hornier than the TTRPG industry, okay? There is just <laughs> so much that goes on behind the scenes that it's just insane. And um, there was a, there's a lot of female fans, shall we say? And mm. uh, there was a, there was a, a girl Dude, or is lady... This, is, this some, is this some sort of sex injury? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, it, it, vicariously, it is. But so there was, there was a, a lady that was really interested in me, and I wasn't really that interested I didn't even understand what was going on at the time because I'm an oblivious dude right um but she had a boyfriend that was going to be in the match that I was taking part in and I didn't even know what the beef was but this guy was really hitting me quite hard and I was thinking okay what's something strange here and the general rule in wrestling is you can hit people as hard as you get hit so if if mm. someone stiffs you then you can stiff them back and and that sounds really sexual in its own right but yeah. um but that's what we were doing. We ended up properly, yeah. properly beating each other up. And I was thinking, why is this guy doing this? And I even, mm. I remember, I remember quite vividly leaning into the turnbuckle where he was. And I was like, why are you hitting me so hard? And um, he was like, you'll find out and all this stuff. And <laughs> I think there was one point we, we planned the end of the match was going to be a muscle buster. And a muscle buster, if you can imagine it, is I would be crouching down and he would basically lift me up onto his shoulder so that my head is facing the ceiling and my knees are kind of bent like this and he's holding me like like that and then all you do is just sit down um and it doesn't injure anyone it doesn't hurt anyone it's very safe it's a very safe move 
Um, but he decided he was going to do that as a suplex and kind of slammed me back. Oh, and my, wow. my back was arched. So I remember hitting the canvas and then just losing sensation in my legs. And I felt this horrible crunch. And I was like, oh, my God, what the hell has happened? And um, I managed to sum because there's another unwritten rule in wrestling in that before you leave the arena, you have to shake hands with everybody that is above you in the pecking order, should we say. Mm. Um, and so I had to pull myself to my feet in agonizing pain and go around and shake all the hands of these people. And I, when I eventually got to the hospital, my dad, my dad took me to the hospital. They, they had one look at my back and it was just had this huge lump and they were like, okay, that's really strange. So what, what happened was um, I'd pulled apart the vertebrae, if you know what I mean, I'd like separated them, but not, not enough to cause a broken back, but just enough that everything was swelling um, mm. and uh yeah it was excruciating agony i couldn't barely move out of my bed for two weeks and uh, i was in so- a lot of pain and i knew after that i still get shooting pains in my shoulder now just from just from it um and i knew that i would never be able to continue it full time so i came back we me and me and the person had a uh, a real fight should we say <laughs> like a mixed, wow. mixed martial arts kind of ufc rules one and uh, i got to have my revenge and um and that was that was how the injury came about and i've just never really i I could never do it full time after that yeah well that's that's a shame because it sounds like you really loved it it was a it was a childhood passion of yours and you were a good member of the community and it almost Mm -hmm. seems like the surprise of an unexpected move so if you would have done what you what you were expecting you were kind of your body was prepared for that Yep. and was probably in a position to to absorb that. Yeah. But that unex- unexpected move probably inadvertently put your body in a position that was more susceptible to being mm-hmm. injured. That's a bummer, man. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And the 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 person involved um, was kind of blacklisted after that, and you know the the red community kind of shunned him um, for what he did. But um, I I couldn't I couldn't control the situation. It happened, so I just had to yeah. make the best of it. So that's why I went into the role of helping the younger people, and I was training the new people. And um, they called it the crash. The new the new group was the crash. So you had to teach them the ropes, and then mm. I wrestled with these people on the on the beginning matches. And then when I knew that my time was sort of coming to an end, I went into journalism and I wrote some articles for different wrestling magazines. Um, I did some commentating and stuff, and then I opened my own wrestling school as well for a short time as well just to keep into it yeah and so how, any linkages between wrestling or unarmed combat and dnd do you have an affinity for that type of thing that you like to you know to either present into some of your people or people throwing like <laughs> suplexes in your dnd if someone picking up the ancient red dragon and like Rah! so i wanted coming off, to coming off, the, coming off the top branch with a jimmy superfly snooker like you know <laughs> so my first experience of dnd i was a barbarian obviously and um i was this was my first ever session as a player and i said to the dm at the time i said can i just grab this guard and like you know grapple him and because why not right i got i was under the impression that you could do anything you wanted to do in dnd and this guy was like well yeah you can grapple so I, i did the check and i managed to succeed in the grapple and i was like well can i just like slam him onto the ground now and and do like do damage or do a power drive or whatever and the dm was quite a quite a big rules lawyer and he was like well there's no rule for this so i can't really allow you to do that 
And I was, I was really like, this isn't for me. I hate D&D. <laughs> um, and so in my games now, if someone tried to do that, absolutely. I've actually had people say, can I like grab him from behind, like in a hammerlock? And if he tries to escape, can I make him take some damage? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Because realistically that would happen. Yeah, mm. dude. You know, it's it's something that I'm sure actually we we, we will 100 percent uh like give you uh give reach out to you in in the near future. We're working on something for us. Uh, it's the first time we're talking about it publicly. I think other than like me just posting comments about this. Actually, um, we we're working on an unarmed combat supplement because obviously for MMA for us, you know, the fact that unarmed combat is cool. Yep. choose how you want to hit them and then strength modifier plus proficiency bonus and that's it you know kind of thing and that bummed me out huge styles and like you said mm -hmm. you know the, the fact that grappling is for some reason in this game pictured as something people do standing up is yeah. like is just a bit of a weird one to me especially coming from you know something where you know you're you're clenching up against a cage and you're yep. shooting for takedowns and you're doing jujitsu on the ground and you know all of this kind of stuff and i think uh, it's something that is very much missing from from Dungeons and Dragons, and I, I I agree with you, dude. Something where it's like, you know, uh, having the ability to be able to go and be like, you know, I want to go up and throw a spinning heel kick, and yeah. that's going to do more damage mm -hmm. than me just punching this guy because yeah. realistically, the momentum and the force that I'm putting into it, and the the force that comes from the bone in my heel versus the multiple bones in my hand, yeah. is on a completely different level, and I think. It's something that's really, really missing and something we're hope, hopefully going to solve for the community with this overlay that will work for every class and, and, and all races and whatnot. But yeah, man, it's definitely, definitely bummed me out. I'll tell you that, like, it definitely bummed me out, especially the grappling and stuff. Like, I was just like, this, this is whack. Yeah. I also, just to build on that, I think you, you, you mentioned it earlier when you were like, you know, there's an element of realism that mm -hmm. is, is kind of missing. And I get it. I understand why, you know, we're, we're, we're in a world with fucking magic and dragons. We're with magic and dragons, and and we're you know we're an intrepid party, and we're on an adventure, and eventually we're hopefully if everything goes as planned, we're gonna come out the other end having you know been through a lot of chaos and turmoil and and uh, and adversity. Be like demigods. Yeah, <laughs> and be the heroes that we were always meant to be. Yet you know the realism is that if you do come across a dragon. Or if someone that is proficient in jujitsu throws a rear naked choke on you, yep. like there are there are more implications that are in the stat blocks currently, and yep. so how do we deal with that? And I think there's an element of like I guess there needs to be a balance because yeah we can't be killing people, you know, at the very first you know I guess encounter, but we do need to have some you know real life consequences which will then. I think interject real life like enjoyment and satisfaction from from those authentic victories over big big challenges. Yep, I think what you guys have just mentioned about doing it um, and a, a supplement for this would be amazing. I think there should be a, a subclass that is the grappler, right? Because yeah. um, mm -hmm. then you could have so many different level um, bonuses and so many different like almost like. Um, you know the battle master, the fighter battle master has yeah. has those special moves they can do, or gunslingers have yeah. special shots. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. if you're a grappler, you should be able to do that. You know, if once you've once you've got that grappling, you can take them down. You can, and they should. And, and the thing is, mechanically, grappling is so pointless on D and D because all your the only thing it does is stops them from moving away from you. Their movement yeah. is zero. 
Like, yeah. realistically, if you grapple someone, they're not going to be able to hit you with a sword. They're not going to be able to fly away. It's, it, like, it's just stupid. Don't. And, and you, it's, it's funny. They're like, oh, yeah, you can still do sword damage. You're like, if a guy's hugging me, <laughs> where, how am I, like, yeah. am I turning it around and fucking stabbing it in his back, which yeah. skewers me as well? Like, what, what's the strategy? What's the what's the basis, guys? Come on now, because but I agree with you, dude. That realism is something that we really need. Not that we need, but I think for some people, right? Okay, so let's let's put this. Let's be real. Some games, some people don't want that. Some parties don't want that. Some DMs don't want to run that. Some people want to run ridiculously high fantasy where it's high fluted magic. You know, it's it's a lot of like that kind of stuff. Um, and there's a place for that. There's so yeah. a place for that. And do you know what as well? I would love to play in games like that. That's mm-hmm. the kind of game that I'm happy to play in. The type of game, though, that I'm going to run for you is going to be something that's, like, down in the dirt, real, with the people of this place, you know, in the, like, grime of what's going on. I'm not so much the person who's going to be running you a setting with, like, 30 different gods that are involved in all these different ways, and there's freaking like, all this magic from all these different sources, and there's <laughs> 30 different planes of, like, <laughs> nine hells and shit. Like, I don't have time for all that crap, dude. Like, I'm here I'm here to watch this dude punch this dude in this face with great technique and become a champion for it, you know? Yeah. And I, I guess for me, I, I definitely see the side of realism playing a part in this. And by realism, I think it's important to announce it's not that I want to bring it back to humans fighting with, you know, sticks at low power and stuff with no magic. Yeah. I just mean consequences. Mm-hmm. I mean, actions and decisions have consequences. And not only that, but like you said, you should be able to, because D&D is an improvised imagination world, um, you should be able to do anything. Now, mm-hmm. something I wanted to present to you because you do play online and you do play on a VTT um, how do you feel about, you know, what, 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 what are you feeling about like this new age of technology? Obviously we've got, um, dimension 20 recently released a trailer for their new series that is going to be on this new virtual 3d tabletop. And you've got yeah, like, Tales, Corridor- Tailspire. yeah, exactly. Tailspire. And you've got, um, you've got corridor digital who are filming their son of a dungeon series at the moment, which is where they've got the characters filmed on a green screen and they're superimposing them in an unreal engine world that they've built and it's based off of a DD plot that they've played already you know and it's like how do you feel about how technology is progressing how are you feeling about what it's doing do you feel like it's taken away from the core imagination experience that started in the 70s or are we getting to a place where holy shit this is going to be amazing we might get vr D, which is wow i think it's it's not a bad thing to have different ways of showing what mm-hmm. you you know your your story basically and if the people that want to do the green screen stuff and superimpose it in their unreal engine there will be an audience that wants to watch that and um, for the guys that want to use tailspire there'll be an audience that wants to use that for what we're doing right now is we're using roll 20 because it's familiar to us i am the most technically inept person you'll ever meet technologically inept i cannot work computers very well at all they will just break around me so on roll 20 normally it's johnny and josh that do a lot of that work for me and even the live production when we're in the actual sessions they'll be sort of tweaking it and they'll be on the dm layer and stuff and we've kind of figured out a way so that they're not being spoiled at all while they're playing as well as being able to sort of manipulate the uh, the actual vtt but um i suppose there's Another, another thing is that we live produce 
Uh, whereas I know that mo a lot of what you're talking about and using these different technological yeah. stuff means that they're not they're no longer going to be live producing. That'll be pre-produced and yeah. they'll be showing it as live. Um, mm. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I, I like mm. I said, no matter what game you want to put on, no matter what setting you want to use, or no matter how what medium you want to present it in, there will always be fans that want to watch that. Um, it just it's got to be right for your group, and it's and people will come see. Um, I don't think we'll do that necessarily. Tales by like maybe if we if we were to get sponsored by like Hero Forge, for example, who are going to yeah. be working with Tailspire. Um, or if Roll20, we're going to be... It's basically just about what we need to have. Um, Lewis is our map maker, and mm. we use all of Lewis's maps on Roll20, and then Lewis also sells maps. So it kind of is a way of giving back to one of our own team as well, and yeah. saying, hey, this guy makes all these maps. Go, go and buy them off him. Um, yeah. Personally, I prefer Theatre of the Mind, because for me, that's just easier. Because um, yeah. I'm there in my head, you know? Anyway... But um, I think because we've got a lot of gamers, that are, everyone video games nowadays, and people are used to seeing physically a token or an avatar that they can move around a map and they can tac tactically work stuff out. Um, I just think it's to do with, uh, maybe it's a generational thing. Hmm. Yeah, it could be. It could be. That's a really good perspective. And I think, you know, in the end, it, it, is, it is different audiences for different things, right? So some people will seek it out. Some people want the old school. Some people want the really, really old school stuff. Well, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like I said uh, earlier, we've had resistance from people that don't like the stuff that we do. And they're very vocal about telling us they don't like the stuff that we do, which I think is just an asshole move, to be fair. If, it's like the Bruce Lee thing <laughs> I said. Um, if, you, if, you, if you see something is useful, use it. If you, if you don't think it's useful to you, leave it. You know, you don't doesn't matter. It, my life's not going to change if I go to someone and say, hey, I don't like the way you do that. Yeah. It's just it's me choosing to be a dick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, I mean, what, how you've just said that, I think is representative of, of, of a lot of what we've talked about in this podcast. And the thing that really resonates for me is these decisions that you guys are making are not easy decisions. Mm -hmm. um, oh, there, yeah. there is some pressure on you to, to conform to the rules. And yep. you've, you've pushed back in a way that, um, you're being true to yourselves and um, you know what your, you know, what your final objective is and you're, you're modifying whatever you need to modify to get to that result. And I really, really respect that. I, I would say that it's, you know, I'll, I'll use the word, it's courageous that you guys are really going out there and putting something out there. You know that there, it's, there's going to be a split, that some people are not going to be big fans of it, but you also know that that's fine. We're never going to be able to capture everyone. So let's yep. do this in a way that makes that, that feels right to us and gives us the best chance of presenting something that we want to stand by and stand behind proudly. Yeah. And uh, so with that in mind, thank you so much for the time we've had today. We've, we've covered a lot of ground in a bunch of different ways and a bunch of different things. So really, really appreciate it. At this point, um, it's over to you on anything you want to shout out, any plugs, any other Besides the stuff that you're doing as core projects, anything at all that you want to shout out? Sure. So I should probably mention what we do. We are, check these out. We're an actual play live podcast stream. I normally have this so down, but I've just stumbled on my words. We, we stream <laughs> on a, a Monday and a Tuesday on twitch.tv forward slash check these out uh, at 9 p.m. UK time. 
all of our stuff gets put on VOD on YouTube and podcast as well. Uh, very soon we'll be doing a Friday stream as well, starting from 9 p.m. And we're effectively going to end up with every, try and do every day at 9 p.m. some, some content. Um, I am a moderator for Hope for TTRPG's Discord server, which is a very good hub for support in the community. This, this group that I mentioned, you know, Maps and Quest, Abyssal Brews and, and, and others, is really there you know there's 700 plus people that all genuinely just want to help each other so definitely mm. check out hope for ttrpg's discord server uh, and i am the manager for the rolling together stream team which is an official twitch stream team headed up by roll together rpg i think they're number 12 in DD all time and wow. uh, we have amazing groups in that and the idea of that is to shout out about lesser heard voices in the community so you know, generally D&D is seen as a white guy kind of thing, but we want to say, hey, these are these creators that have different voices and different perspectives, you know, away from the Eurocentric medieval kind of thing um, sometimes. And just, that's what we are. We're just a diverse group of, of creators. And so that's it. That's all my shout outs. Amazing. That sounds absolutely incredible and you know we need to uh, we need to get more support out there to those small people so guys go check all that stuff out obviously for us here at homie and the dude hit us with the holy trinity like and follow on facebook subscribe on youtube head on over to twitter where you can see most of our content where we interact with you guys live if you want to ask us any questions or anything like that um follow us on twitter as well um other than that this has been homie and the dude father and son podcast uh with mac the dm thank you so much for joining us dude we really really appreciate it thanks mac yeah, and thank uh, you we'll see you guys in the next one cheers guys see ya we're chugging through we're loving doing this stuff for you guys um if you want to support us if you want to make sure that we can keep getting you know better quality set better quality lights make the filming better Bigger, um, bigger batteries for the camera. Bigger batteries for the camera. <laughs> yes! <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you can do that by just liking, following the page, and subscribing to the YouTube channel. That is what really makes a difference to us.